0: From Relevant Magazine, it's the Relevant Podcast.
1: Of Friday, May seventeenth, two thousand thirteen. This is the relevant podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. This week's podcast is brought to you by one of my favorite companies in the world, Warby Parker. Warby Parker is uh, an incredible way to buy prescription glasses and sunglasses online. Uh, they have a great selection of fashion-forward frames, and they start only at $95, including the prescription lenses. They have a home try-on program where you pick up five frames. They send it to you for free. You try them on, see which ones look good on your face. You send them back. uh, All paid for. Uh, And for every pair that you end up buying, they give a pair of glasses to someone in need. It's an amazing way to help someone out. And it's a good price, too. I'm wearing my Warby's right now. I have a pair in my hands.
0: I'm wearing and, mine, and you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesse? it makes it makes make sense that they're sponsoring
2: this. Podcast. Unfortunately,
3: I have perfect vision. <laughs> Unfortunately, they sell sunglasses too. Yeah, so. they, how about your sunglasses? Get on. Jesse. I am Jesse. indoors with perfect
0: vision. So. Never,
1: never stop, Jay Z. Yeah. For for listeners of the relevant podcast, Warby Parker is offering free expedited two day shipping on the final purchase. Just go to WarbyParker.com, and when you uh, end up buying your glasses, put the promo code Relevant in there and you'll get free two-day shipping. There you go. Well, uh, I'm back, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Tyler Huckabee. Hi, guys. On the <laughs> Skype line from Loverland, <laughs> Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michaels-Nablin. Hello, friends. Who is also, I guess, the interim host I mean, now. I
0: had my team go back and you know re-listen to a, f- a lot of a lot of footage from last week just to make sure that that I did okay. Mm-hmm. The reviews were were un- incredible. Oh, it was easily um, the best podcast I've ever been a part
1: of. Oh my goodness! So okay, <laughs> no, <laughs> Cameron, what was your opinion?
2: <laughs> I didn't listen to it. <laughs> oh, you, you have to. It. to it. You can't miss
0: it. It was yeah. it was must
1: it's listen podcast. The,
0: the can't miss episode of the it year. Was, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's the same. Re- I I can't listen to it, Tyler, because if it's horrible, I don't want to know that we put out a really, really bad product. And he doesn't want to damage my ego. And if it's really great, then the only variable is me, and I don't want to know that it's great but,
3: without but me. But in your scenario, it's either really good or really bad. There's no There's middle of the at all. There's no in between. Either, either Chad did awesome, or it was just a travesty. Yeah.
1: And I saw... You know, Twitter reactions. That's you know, kind of implied that it was a enjoyable episode, which
0: made me
3: feel like <laughs> that it was listenable. <laughs> <laughs> that made
0: me
1: feel like trash. People,
3: yeah, thanks no one, a lot.
0: No one threw their iPods in the trash <laughs> during. Would the you
3: listening. have rather seen? Hey, it was another good episode of the Relevant Podcast. Or man, that was awful on Twitter. <laughs> Are Would you, you rather see it blowing <laughs> you, up either way?
1: I know. I know. What well, you'd I'm torn because. Yeah. As goes relevant, goes so my career and calling. So
2: yeah. And vice versa.
1: Yeah. We might add so, so right. So I'm a little torn. However, honestly, would have liked to see people miss me. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. Well I would Didn't say. see one tweet that anybody missed me.
2: Well, I think it's probably nice for you to know that if God forbid, if something tragic were to happen to you like you were to die, <laughs> that, that the podcast
1: could soldier on Oh, without something really tragic missing like that. <laughs> like, like nothing would. Hey, if barely... I die, this thing dies with me. Yeah.
0: Let's, let, let's not <laughs> be it's so extreme. Let's yeah. just say you, let, uh, what if you lose
1: your vocal cords? Yeah. Like, like the Google, the Google you, CEO. You get right. Yeah. Or something like that. You what become like Mark... left vocal cord goes paralyzed. You become like Mark Stewart
0: from Audio Adrenaline. Right. You've got to bring in the Kevin okay, Mac. I'll play Kevin A Max little too soon. Yeah. Scenario,
1: I'll
2: be the yeah. Toby Mac, obviously.
1: <laughs> is, is in that scenario, is uh, Mark still cashing in?
0: Oh yeah. yeah, he's very much a part of the band still. He just he just, doesn't produced, have to work. Right. He doesn't have to sing every night. So
1: in your scenario, he writes the songs, he produces I fade into the sunset, I leave, things go well, I still get a paycheck. Exactly.
3: You're, you're yeah. like you're like Jerry Seinfeld is now with his show in syndication. It sounds like pretty he just sits appealing. back and lets the checks roll in.
1: And, and the Twitter response is It's still really great. There's a little bit of missing me.
0: Well, I got to well,
2: have a little It's bit hard sure. to, it's hard like to we know. M- we yeah. miss
1: his voice. It's
2: they are very somebody. nostalgic yeah. for the past. It's, a, yeah, it's, yeah. Like it's, a, it's this is all It's not what it was, but it is your, what it is. But
3: your stamp is still <laughs> yeah. very
1: heavily on each
2: episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: like the office after Michael left. <laughs>
1: Oh, that'll totally feed my ego because it's been awful since Michael left. <laughs> um, so, you guys will limp along for two years and then it'll go away. We'll, we'll die
3: off yeah, we'll with, with one um, big finale <laughs> <laughs> big where, where you'll briefly come back for a cameo. But I still
2: marry Pam. <laughs> I'm the Jim yeah, and the yeah. Toby Mac. I mean, you've, we've, I'll find my place in any yeah, analogy. I'm the Andy.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> speaking of uh, marrying Pam, there's a oh. difference in the room today. There is. Is there? There, there's oh, the, there's a more of a musk and a, a locker room smell. I would say it <laughs> smells like rich mahogany. It sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds like oak, uh, <laughs> leather bound books, fine leather. The counterweight to our, our oak scented musk is uh, Maya, and she is not here today. A uh, little little bit of programming note: It's summer. It's summertime. And summertime people like to do things mm-hmm. So Maya's on a little bit of a podcast sabbatical hmm. During the summer She's out there living uh, Footloose and fancy free mm, Living the dream for the-, for, for the hour that we're in this room <laughs> <laughs> So she's,
2: she's with us in spirit
1: she nope. is. No, she's not. No. Well, she's at the pool in oh, spirit. Oh, man. Never mind. Yeah. I wish I was with her,
2: both <laughs> in spirit <laughs> and in <laughs> very literally.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she probably mm-hmm. literally right now is laying at the, out at the pool, so... and she so would rather do that. You'd rather that. be
3: it there than in, in this musty room that smells like Stetson. <laughs> yeah.
1: so, uh, so the boys are back in town for the summer. Yeah.
3: That's what I'm there's fired gotta, up. Fired be. up, Chad. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Well, there's your cue.
1: <laughs>
3: I, I, have I have
0: my closing song. Thank you for that reference.
1: So Is there a song about the boys of summer or something like that? Because kind of got to be the theme yeah, for the Yeah, there podcast. is. Boys believe, of summer. Is it called Boys of Summer? I've never heard of Boys
2: You're, there, there's, uh, there's Boys girls are of... Back
3: in Town and Boys of Summer. Uh, it's a Don Henley song. There
2: need to be more boys songs out there. There's so many songs about girls and it's like what's so great
3: about girls? Yeah,
1: there's a Britney Spears song called Boys. I'm afraid that if I Google search the Boys of Summer it will think I'm looking uh, for things that I'm not it, looking it, Google for.
3: Google search Boys of Summer Don Henley, it's... the Eagles.
1: <laughs> oh, there is a song. Don Henley, Boys of Summer. Yeah, yeah it's a great.
3: good, it's a good tune. Oh
1: yeah, this is really nice.
3: Out of reach. I'll sing along. Empty
4: ways, empty days. Oh. <laughs> Here we go.
3: It's popping it <laughs> up. You're not home, but I can see you. Keep playing it, keep going. <laughs> you got your hair pulled back and your <laughs> ray bands on. <laughs>
4: Nothing strong now that the boys of summer
3: have gone. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this is what this is what you can expect from this podcast for the rest of the summer, folks.
3: This it's going to be a lot of us singing Eagles songs. <laughs> for some reason, it's
1: black and white. There's shots of the beach, things like that. And then all of a sudden, for no some reason, there's an interior shot of a nine-year-old boy playing the drums. And they, they keep coming back to it. Wow. To the nine-year-old? To the nine-year-old boy playing the drums. The prodigy. A future boy of summer. A future boy of summer. <laughs> Maybe he's spending his summer indoors working, like practicing his music. Getting you know? ready yeah, for I, the day when he, when he can take it outside.
3: Yeah. As thematically good as, as well as Boys of Summer works, I really like Boys are Back in Town. That song gets me pumped. All right, it's like a well, pop up song. We can do both. We'll close with that okay. song. So, the summer
1: is long.
2: The
3: boys you know, are summer. Haven't, we haven't gone. We haven't left town. The, right. That's <laughs> that's <what's it.
1: laughs> we never went anywhere. Right. Maya left. Right. Yeah. So is there a song about a girl leaving? Oh, there's the lots boys. Of girls leaving. Girls leaving. Yeah. The there's boys. lots there's of songs. A there's a lot, lot of songs about, songs about, about girls that. leaving. It's
2: what they do. Yeah. It's sort of their stock and trade.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Chad. Real yeah. quick, can we just fire up the very beginning of that song? And let me ask you guys if you get popped, kinda like if you're just like, let's do this thing, man. Oh. Yeah. Dude, I'm getting pretty pumped. When they do the dual guitar solo, didn't in your mind, while you're listening to this, guys, listeners, when you're listening, hearing this song, imagine a montage of all of us going on right now. <laughs> high-fiving. Re- when this song plays on anything, a montage is required.
1: Yeah, we're just wa- we're high-fiving. Yeah. We're uh, yeah. slowly
0: around. walking in from lunch together.
1: <laughs> taking, off reason, the, taking
0: off the sunglasses. I'm doing a
1: Toyota jump in the background. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All of a sudden, like, one of us throws a football. The other guy jumps up and catches it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a skateboard. I do a little kick. The board spins around seven times.
3: We, we, we pass a group of, of, of women, and one of them lowers their sunglasses. Like, those boys back in town. And then we hold up our wedding ring. Sorry. <laughs>
1: quick, quick, <cut. laughs> speak for yourself. I snap Chad with a towel.
3: Yeah.
0: As <laughs> <laughs> I slide across the locker room <laughs> in slow motion, of course.
3: So, someone's asking. Someone's on a weight bench asking for a spot, and we're all on our cell phones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> <not. laughs>
2: I checkmate all three of you in our chess game.
3: Chad's <laughs> Jad, flipping a burger right now.
0: Yeah. We're, we're on a, an outdoor grill, not right right at yeah. McDonald's.
2: And the burger flips over seven times.
1: lands yeah. perfectly. And then we high-five and I do a Toyota <laughs> jump in the background
0: for some yeah. reason. <laughs> we're all going down a lazy river backwards.
3: <laughs> there, there's a sign right now. There's a, there, there's a sidewalk in a field with a sign that says, stay off grass, and we just run <laughs> through it. <them. laughs> <laughs> 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 Laughing. And there's like an old groundskeeper like shaking his fist. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're getting the vibe. I think so. That's what you're picturing while you're listening to this. Song. We're
2: on riding lawnmowers going down the highway
3: <laughs> with police cars in tow. But, they can't, but they can't Wait, the, the montage is taking a dark turn. We're in a shootout with the police. <laughs> Chad goes down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> You leave him behind. <laughs> 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 it just ends with Chad late yeah. <laughs> and
1: then Maya has to come back from her sabbatical and rejoin the cast My because is, we're yeah.
2: down one yeah. is
1: the only podcast
2: member our, our, like,
3: our like good times havoc wreaking little you know uh, burger eating pranking has diverged into a shootout <laughs> with the police dust. in which Chad doesn't make it that <laughs> very dark
2: man I love summer that's as good as
3: it gets yeah. right there. It's a yeah. good so it's right, a, so that, a recap of our summer. That's before it we started. So the theme
1: of this next, you know, brief season of the podcast is the boys of summer. But yeah. our theme song is the boys are right. back in town for some reason. Because right? it's better. Okay. And our,
2: and our in, inevitable conclusion is Chad goes down. <laughs> yeah, I die <laughs> in a
3: blaze of glory. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but it's slow motion. It's it's very yeah, it's Michael well, Bay. It's yeah. well shot. It's really it's a lot really of explosions. In, uh, and you
3: save us.
0: I'd be willing to say you probably save us no. I, oh, I totally save you guys. Yeah. Which is why the
1: podcast can continue. He laid down his life for his friends.
0: You know. Yeah.
3: Spoiler oh, alert! At the good. end of the summer, Chad goes down on a blaze of glory,
1: <laughs> and then Maya comes back. The,
3: and everything's back to normal. The podcast.
0: Right. Yeah. Maya will be on the ones and twos. But Cameron's not allowed to go away anymore because your ho- your guest host has died. Is, <laughs> right. Right. No more travel. No more
2: vacation. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the biggest loss. They could really. Befo- <laughs> can you imagine something worse? <laughs>
1: All right. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, we do have a great episode in store for you today. Uh, joining the boys uh, theme, Martin Smith is joining us uh, oh. from Delirious and a uh, pioneer in the modern worship movement, obviously, and and now is doing some stuff with Jesus Culture. They just did an album together. It's amazing. Uh, we talked to him. And also, coming up after that, uh, we talked to YouVersion founder, Bobby Grunwald. Uh, he is out at Life Church and is their kind of innovation pastor. Um, had a tech company prior to joining their team and it was really his 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 baby to launch UVersion which now has over ninety million uh, users around the world. Yeah with the Bible so, app. Uh, yeah the Bible app Jeez. so we're gonna talk to him as well. So it's an all boys episode. Alright but up first your entertainment releases music coming out on Tuesday, May twenty first. Two albums that everybody's already heard. Daft Punk. With uh, Random Access Memories, it's been streaming for free on their iTunes page. Mm-hmm. And The National, with Trouble Will Find Me, Man. also streaming for free on their iTunes page.
0: It's a killer cool lineup. Very different emotional ends of the spectrum there. I was thinking about albums. that.
2: Yeah, I was listening to both of them, and it's like a that's a sudden shift in here <laughs> to go from one album to the other real fast. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't recommend it. One starts your day, one ends your day. Uh-huh. Um, if it was a bad day. True,
3: or you, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you had a rough morning, but man, Monday afternoon is kicking. (laughs) It's it's, it's, his head bobbing? Yeah,
0: they're both really, really
3: good albums. They are really good, really
0: strong. Not much of a departure for the National, as far as sound goes. I would have a departure for Daft Punk. It
2: sounds a lot different than I would think a Daft Punk album would sound. But I liked it. I wouldn't call myself a Daft Punk person. You know, there's Daft Punk people out there. Most of our robots, <laughs> Tron fans, people from the future. Neither of which time I travelers. I, I, I mean, we'll save that for recommends next week. We got we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah.
1: Movies coming out on Thursday, May twenty third, and Friday, May twenty fourth, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the Hangover Part Three. Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, Zach Galifianakis. Finally saw the theater trailer of this thing because mm-hmm. the commercials are are just Hangover mm-hmm. familiar. Yeah. yeah. So the the real trailer. Actually tells you the plot, and it looks fantastic. Can't wait. It really looks... I mean, I, I again, can't endorse it in any way. It's terrible. You should never see these types of movies. <laughs> but if you're going to go... If somebody drags you. Yeah. Drags you I See, my thing? thing when I was like part three, when I heard about it, I was like, come on. They're not going to go to another Bachelor soiree. I mean, come on. And it's not. The trailer right. had
2: me... It yeah. stitches. It's not, so, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. I was laughing
3: pretty hard. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. The it's concept, like, is but we can all great. agree,
3: no matter what your opinion is of the the franchise itself, that the second one was a travesty in every way.
2: Yeah, I really didn't like the second one. Agreed. Really didn't like it. But the third one, but I didn't. I didn't. I don't remember thinking that the trailer for the second one was all that funny.
3: Yeah. But, you
1: know. But, but you know, both of them are playing pretty heavy rotation on like, E and FX or whatever. You know, when you're flipping through late at night. Now, it, you know. It actually it's better than you
3: remember it. the second one. yeah is it? It is. Okay. It, it's
1: not one, but it's not as bad as you think it is. Okay.
3: I, I think they, they, this is I, I think the first one actually had like a good, you know sort of re- redeeming story, you know, but I felt like the second one just pu- tried to push the envelope Shock too factor. far. yeah. yeah. It, it, it confused, which I feel like a lot of modern comedies do. It confused shock for humor. Right. You know, where they become synonymous, where they're not. Right. You know, but the first one's a good story and a good, you know, a good story of friendship. Right. Right.
1: Uh, Friday, May 24th, uh, Fast and Furious 6 is coming out. Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, The Rock, and the list goes on. I will be there with my pre purchase ticket.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pretty big fan of this franchise, yeah. aren't you? It is
1: the it is the guilty pleasure of my movie going. But here's in. the
3: thing. I don't think there's anything guilty about it. I think it knows what it is, and it just owns it.
1: It owns it. It's ridiculous. It's over the top, and it's awesome. And it makes me drive differently when I come home from the
2: theater. So I would <laughs> feel a little guilty
1: about it. Let's not...
3: We, little you, little you feel guilty, guilty about any take, deriving pleasure from the Fast and Furious. I, I feel bad for you, Tyler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, slices.
0: Portions of this week's podcast are brought to you by the new Rich Stearns book, Unfinished. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an urgent assignment to his followers right before he left. He issued not just an invitation to believe, but a bold call to action. It was a challenge to go into the world and reclaim, reform, and restore it for Christ. Best-selling author and president of World Vision US, Rich Stearns, invites you to stop standing on the sidelines and get in the game. That's where the adventure begins. You can learn more about Unfinished at worldvision.org unfinished.
1: Listening to Pretty and Nice. The song is Mummy Jets from the album Golden Rules for Golden People. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Holy Ghost. That's what he sounds like uh, with the song Dumb Disco Ideas. I feel a little off my game today, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I feel a little off. It's not because I'm a week off and you know, and like any high, high, highly trained athlete, you take a week off of training, you, you can feel it, oh, even if sure. it's only a week. Yeah.
3: Instantly. It's, it's I, not uh, that. It's we not all know that. that well. It's not yeah, that it's not like yeah, your your hammy's a little tight or something.
1: No, something's really off. This is a vocal medium. hmm This morning I tried to change my morning routine. I tried to I tried to consolidate things. Okay, so 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 I got a new shower caddy. Oh. And and I put oh. I put a <laughs>
3: <laughs> let me let me stop you there. Just, right, yeah. I feel like right we need
1: right to revisit. Now. I feel like we
2: need to stay on this point for a little bit. <laughs> so,
3: wait, 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 hey, wait, 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 wait. The boys are back in town. We can talk about this. Let <laughs> yeah. me ask you about your routine. So like I said, does this shower caddy play music? We need to know.
1: <laughs> so, so, what do, what is it like a white one? No, no, no. It's just Okay, so I have a shower caddy now.
3: Suction cup to the wall yeah, or is right, it like a right. floor. And horrible. there's a
1: little fogless mirror on it. Sure. And so I'm thinking, oh good. I can I can uh, uh I'm not a clean-shaven person, but you know, I I have my new Harry's, oh, that's
3: stuff. right. Yeah, and, 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 and I recently it, bought some of those by your recommendation as well. And yeah, it's, I'm,
1: loving it. I'm loving it. And so, but the thing that I realized with Harry's is, and, and shaving and, and kind of keeping things nice and trimmed and gentlemanly is that is that uh, you know it's really inefficient to have to sit there and wait for the the faucet water to get hot, right. There's a lot of water being wasted. And I'm Uh-oh. thinking, I take a hot shower. I should consolidate oh, yeah. these two things.
3: Oh, yeah. well, can, can I tell you what I do real quick? Hate to interrupt. <laughs> Shave while I boil my eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't think of that, did you? No, I
1: didn't. So I'm thinking, hot shower. Let's get a shower caddy. Let's bring all this into one <laughs> grand experience. And so did that thing. And so then I'm thinking, what else could I do in here? Mm. You know, what else can I consolidate into the oh. shower? Oh yeah. And Been so, there. so, so now I'm thinking. <laughs> well, I got a two step toothbrushing process. Uh-huh. I got the, the the rinse and the brush. The the mouthwash and the brush. I got a new kind of rinse mm-hmm. and it said, you know, to do this before you brush. I'd always done the brush and then mm-hmm. I would do the mouthwash. Mm-hmm. And mm. so then that throws me off. Sure. So I'm sitting there. Well, what I could do is while I'm showering, I could go ahead and do the pre rinse thing and then when I'm out of the shower, brush my teeth. Brilliant. Okay. So today was the first day of the new trial. And in the shower, do the, do the shave, do the shower, do my mouthwash, f- forgot to brush my teeth. So uh, I'm sitting here right I won- now. I
2: wondered what that was.
1: Right now, and I, I feel noticed. very <laughs> off my game. Yeah, you sound it. Yeah, that's that musty yeah. smell. Well, in this. Yeah. this is a mouth yeah. medium, right? and my mouth feels wrong right, right. now. Well, so I'm going to go at lunch and buy a new toothbrush and toothpaste. I can't handle it. I'll tell you right now, I brush my teeth in the shower. I was going I just do, now. Just do I'm now. Yeah, right yeah, now, I'm going to. My mind right now. <laughs> now I'm going to. Next thing I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to pull a Kramer and start washing my vegetables. <laughs> yeah, honestly, get I
2: get garbage disposal I get, in there. I get mostly dressed in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you come in moist. What, <laughs> it's a little.
3: I, I mean, I, I air dry on my walk here, but
4: <laughs> it's still a little damp.
3: But but let me ask you this, Tyler. This is what I'm confused about. You know, Cameron said the reason he would shave in the shower is because of the time it takes for the water to heat up. You don't need to heat the water for brushing teeth. I mean, you can just do that right at the sink yeah but no no extra time yeah involved. but
2: you're but i'm so comfortable in the shower you know it's my own little place
3: does I'm your gonna, shower have a seat in it <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: a handicap accessible well, I shower have to, i have to switch out the chair every <laughs> every three weeks because the wood gets
1: rotted but so it's a re, it's a i'm gonna try that tomorrow show. because yeah. i'm saying like, there's, oh, I recommend there's the the toothbrushes right there maybe i just one swoop just it get is. it all done but what just about all your, your
3: hygiene in one wh- what
1: about your evening brushing your, your bedtime brush. Yeah,
2: on. you know, I do that one over the sink. So you it's have to walk a, into
1: the shower, or do you have two sets? No, I, got,
2: I mean, I got, a, I got a sink and everything. No, I'm saying, do you have two sets of oh, toothbrushes? Oh, no, I just move the toothbrush around. Oh. I just carry it with me. <laughs> just get a little it's side it's in your denim I'm always, pocket. I'm always ready to go. I have a denim toothbrush. That, you have, you have like a with towel my... with like little
3: pockets in it. <laughs>
2: it's called a robe. I wear it as a cape. Yeah. Thank you. yeah, it's not a robe. That's a towel with pockets in it. My <laughs> hygiene, definition. my hygiene utility robe.
3: <laughs> as soon as Tyler walks in the door at night, he puts on his robe.
2: <laughs> and to floss, I just pull one thread out of the robe. <laughs>
1: You know, I didn't honestly. I was joking at the beginning of the podcast. I didn't think anything would change with Maya gone, but now we're here talking about men's hygiene. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I, I feel like Maya would be appalled. Yeah. yeah. But what do you expect when the boys are back in town? So
1: Fire up, Chad. Every time we say that phrase, you
0: need to just play the guitar. Yep.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you guys are going to get sick of it awfully quick, but oh, man, it's going to be glorious. So.
1: All right. It's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse?
3: All right. So. Uh, 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 one of the big items in the news lately is the factory collapse in Bangladesh um, that has shined a light on some of the ethics of the garment industry. Um, but recently, there's a, there's a book that was released in July of last summer, 2012, uh, by an author named Elizabeth Klein, who went undercover in the garment industry. The book is called Overdress, The Shockingly High Cost of Cheap Fashion. And uh, in, in a way, sort of predicted that one of these disasters would happen. Uh, She's recently a guest on NBC Nightly News this past week. She's been on Current TV, uh, was featured in the New York Times, was a guest on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And if you have an opportunity to listen to that interview, uh, I, I would encourage it. It's a really interesting interview uh, about her work looking at the ethics of what she calls fast fashion, which she says is totally fed by a, a Western need for cheap clothes that people can buy in mass at the change of every fashion season. Um, She looks at some of the buying habits of American consumers and how that as recently as 1990, half of the clothes uh, that were purchased by Americans uh, were made in the United States. Right now, that number is just 2%. Uh, She looks at some of the the low living wage conditions uh, uh, for workers in Bangladesh and China, Uh, but it raises a lot of questions about the ethics of American consumerism, particularly when it comes to buying and purchasing clothes. And I thought one of the interesting angles that I think we as uh, Christians kind of deal with is uh, there seems to be sort of a false dichotomy among some Christians about how much we spend and how, you know, quote-unquote, you know, spiritual that is. Like, I feel like there's a perception that the more you spend on something... That you know it, it that, that money could be used for something else, and there seems to be this aversion to spending money. But one thing that she addresses is the need for quality products that are made mm-hmm. for a fair wage, but are all, but are going to cost significantly more than you pay at a discount store.
1: Is there is does she list like companies that she recommends?
3: Yeah, well, one of the big ones that uh, she recommends is th- actually the new conscious line from H and M. Uh, she said that uh, you know for a while H and M has been one of the primary culprits in this fast fashion movement where they make designer looking clothes very very cheaply and turn their whole inventory around week uh, you know every couple of weeks and they came up with this strategy that's been been adopted by a lot of the big uh, retailers uh, that that makes a need for people to, for customers to come in all the time to see what's new where you, you know even a decade ago. There would only be new lines every season. Now they're every couple of weeks. But she says the conscious line by H and M is a step forward. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's also a uh, better quality, and it's made from economic or environmentally sustainable conditions, and and you know where your product is coming from. Uh, but mainly, what she recommends is finding uh, quality items that are are you know if you can find you know local uh, uh, high end clothing retailers. If you can uh, buy items that'll last, she recommends that uh, people, you know, learn to even sew and how to find good deals on used clothes. Uh, but ultimately, the emphasis should be on quality, not quantity, when we when we're purchasing clothes.
2: I just had my first experience with uh, with with that. I was in uh, I was in Nashville recently, and I'd heard about this place that designs all their all their denim. They do, and you guys know how I feel about my denim. Um, yeah, I take it very seriously. Very serious. Um, so I went to a place the I believe it was called Imogen and Willie's, and you go in there and you see the whole their whole factory. It's very small, but it's all right there and it's open. So you're seeing people make the jeans as you go in, and it's about there's about three ladies there who do it, and they walk you through the whole process. and And it did cost a little bit more, but but first of all, you take care of the these jeans right, and it's the last pair you'll ever need to buy in your life. So instead of going back to Target or Urban Outfitters in a in a couple of months. I can hold on to these, assuming, of course, that people are still wearing these sort of bell-bottom jeans that I'm wearing right now <laughs> in, a, in, in ten years or so. Um, but also, it was really cool just to see just to see that whole process and to think about that compared to other brands that I've bought or other uh, places that that when you read about their factories, it's just sort of appalling. Hmm. So uh, I've been recently uh, converted to that as well.
3: Kind of to me raises just questions too about this sort of ethic that we have. And I think it's recent of, you know, this last generation specifically of evangelicals kind of coming out, uh, you know, that are really wary of conspicuous consumption, buying things just to have the appearance of, of wealth and being able to afford them. Where I think there, there's certainly validity to wanting to avoid that for the wrong reasons, but at the same time, there's an ethical cost to buying just the cheapest stuff you can find. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, that cost is, you know, really poor working conditions for, for, for people in, you know, other parts of the world. I saw something on Twitter the other day, and this may be a weird analogy, but someone was sort of berating a, a driver that they saw out on the road because they had a hundred thousand dollar luxury car with a Christian sticker on the back. But, and and I can see you know, sort of a case for having a sticker that represents a faith that is about, you know, self-sacrifice on on a very expensive car. But at the same time, you know, if you apply that same mindset to other products, I don't really think it holds up, you know? I mean, what's more ethical if I were to buy a watch that costs a, a lot of money, that buys a notable brand, but it was made, handmade by craftsmen under livable conditions with a skill that they, you know, uh, took years to learn, or if I bought like a cheap watch that keeps the same digital time, but was built under questionable conditions, you know, what well, what are the ethics of that?
1: Well, it's not even. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the, the 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 manufacturing ethic ethics is a part of the equation, but also just um, stewardship of your own resources. Uh, there's a, there's definitely aside from just the working conditions uh, thing, I'm I'm seeing a lot more people taking an honest assessment of uh, of like the quality of of the cheap cool clothes so, so i saw somebody writing about you know like i'm never uh, a girl writing i'm never going to shop at forever 21 again because i realized that i i buy that shirt for 12 dollars i can wear it maybe twice before It it essentially falls apart, and 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 so if I ever shop there, I kind of have to think like this is what I'm paying for one or maybe two wears. And she's like, you know, so I have to buy five or ten shirts, or I could have just bought like a seventy dollar shirt that is quality, take good care of it, and I could wear it for the for the year or longer. And so, you know, people are actually rethinking like, wait a second, even though this is technically cheaper, it's actually more expensive of a wardrobe direction in the long run. It's it's something that I've personally even been thinking about a lot lately. Chad and I have talked about it yeah. because I, I'm in the process of of losing weight. I've lost 35 pounds in the last two months, and and none of my old I gave away all my old clothes, and so I have to acquire new clothes. And I've had to make the decision what type of closet am I going to have. Mm-hmm. And and when you like read, you know, kind of like men's hey boys are back in town. Let's talk <laughs> men's style stuff. Like it's like here's the nine things you need to make your wardrobe. Right. And it's like I'm kind of going, you know what? As I rethink this, it really does make sense to have that. You know quality pair of jeans mm-hmm. versus four pairs that are going to get misshapen and wear out, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, well, let's just invest in that one quality pair. And so, um, is the same thing. She's been, you know, same thing, been on the same path with me and, and we both together, um, donated 12 large uh, trash bags full of clothes and shoes. Yeah. And, um, and so she's rethinking her wardrobe as well. And we're kind of just trying to think like that of like the ethics, the ethics of even our, our own money and our own resources that it, Actually, makes sense in the long run to yeah. to invest in quality. Well, then the quality pieces also are manufactured in better conditions and a fair wage. So it, it's it's an interesting thing for for a uh, a, a Christian to wrestle with mm-hmm. that you would think an eight dollar t shirt at Walmart is is the best thing to get, but it, it, it actually probably is one of the worst things you can right, get. Right. Right. So,
3: yeah. And one of the things that that she actually follows in the story is the the end game of. You know, because that, that story of you donating clothes that you may have bought over the years that were cheaper, so you bought more of that were donated, she actually follows those donated clothes. And a lot of them are either not in the condition to be at a Goodwill, or even if they are, they move this through, they cycle their inventory pretty quickly too. So if you donate clothes to, to Goodwill or, or another kind of thrift store for charity and they don't sell after a certain period of time, uh, she, she looked at what happens to them. They're actually bundled up in bales like hay, and they're shipped oftentimes uh, to buyers in Africa, where they and, and they're not donated from there. They're sold in street markets for you know a few dollars. But you know the irony is, a lot of these came from uh, developing and third world countries. The the clothes originated there, and a lot of them end up back there after Americans have sort of used them up and spent money on them. So we're, we're kind of taking from uh, a, a lot of these communities that, that are in need of better working condition, and then we're dumping off the used items in, in other communities in other parts of the world. So it's, an, it's a really interesting cycle that does make you question how you spend money, particularly on clothing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: What do you have, Tyler?
2: Well, I've stumbled across the story of one Cliff Kluge, I believe is how you pronounce the last name there, of uh, of Ringgold, Georgia, and he is a he, he's a self described treasure hunter. He goes to a lot of estate sales and garage sales looking for.
3: So, so he's sort of an American picker,
2: something of an American picker. Uh, if you see a, if you find a picture of him, then that would be your your guess, and that would be mine as well. He uh, he was at an estate sale and he bought a box of old letters, and in them he believes he has found. An original recipe for Coca-Cola.
1: Wow, I saw
2: this. Now, readers, if you're if you're familiar at all with the myth of Coca-Cola, you're you're aware that it's a very closely guarded secret. The rumor is that Coca-Cola actually has two recipes. Uh, for their product, and it's—I uh, believe that they're always kept separate. So if uh, it's like the
3: president and the vice president,
2: right, right, it's a, they, they travel separately They s- yeah. travel separately. I don't think they're ever allowed to be on the same plane in case the plane goes down. It's One at can the be world without the other. But it's but there's also the fact that it's locked down in Atlanta. I think yeah, that's where it's uh, at I the world it's where of Coke Coca in Atlanta Coca-Cola Atlanta is where
1: it's stored, yeah.
2: locked away. But this guy, but uh, last, i think it was just last year, maybe two years ago. This American Life said they'd come across an old copy of it. Coca-Cola
3: yeah. denied that. The uh, episode said, called.
1: The recipe called the if recipe. If you want to look for it,
3: and uh, if you downloaded the app that we recommended, Dumbled, <laughs> you could find it right now. Uh,
2: but Cliff, Cliff thinks he's found it. Um, he's he's posted it on eBay, and he's trying to sell it for. You guys want to take a guess how much he's trying to move it for? I already know, S- but starting uh, at five million dollars,
1: or buy it now for fifteen.
2: It's uh, it's, it's starting at five <laughs> five million. Shut it, up buy it now for 15 five million dollars.
1: Yeah, he has not received one bid yet. Well. Well, here's I, here's here's the thing about good old Cliffs recipe. It was dated 1943. The Coca-Cola recipe is from the 1800s, and Coca-Cola said, "No, there's one copy, and it's from the 1800s, and it's in Atlanta." Um, so this thing, you know, is just a cola recipe. It's not branded, stated, or named Coca-Cola on it. It's just a cola recipe in Georgia from the early 40s. This guy. This guy's crazy.
3: Here's the other thing about his his whole scheme. Last time I checked, Coke cost about a dollar. <laughs> 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 if I really want Coke that bad, it's not that expensive. You know, well, that's why I'm go to the trouble.
2: Like, what's the least amount you would pay for a Coca Cola for an actual recipe of Coca Cola?
3: I have no desire. for Yeah, for you know, it's why. not
2: for people. It's not for people. He's trying to sell it to the competitors. Like, like would Pepsi go for it? Would Jones go for it? One of those things. I,
3: I, I don't think so. I mean, they kind of got so their own either. thing going. Yeah, they got their own thing going.
2: Although, that sort of craft soda thing is coming up. You see
1: more of that. But People
2: making that their craft own sodas. soda, if
1: you're like, hey, I made Coca-Cola? Yeah. Well, I that's like that. that's
3: like saying, oh, I have a craft beer, it tastes just like Budweiser. <laughs> it's like, no, well, no,
4: not no, just button.
1: like it, it is, is Budweiser. It's the, recipe. It's the actual <laughs> Budweiser recipe. And I'm only gonna charge you nineteen dollars <laughs> per pint because it's handcrafted. Well my artisanal Coca Cola would certainly be better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, what I don't understand Made how, how someone where they can undercut Coke that already costs almost nothing, you know? Yeah. It's cheaper to buy a bottle of coke some places than it is to buy a bottle of water.
1: How come a two liter bottle of of, of 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 Coke is a dollar, yeah, and a little single serving thing is a dollar seventy nine, and then a, the same size bottle of water at the said at the same store is a yeah. dollar ninety nine. Yeah, why is the little tiny bottle of water double the price of the two liter of the chemical? Come on, oh, Obama.
3: Well, it, it, well, it's the same thing as if you go to a restaurant and buy a meal or, or buy a drink it's going to be way more expensive than if you would have gone to the grocery store and bought it. No, I think not. it's just, no, think that it's had to be situational.
1: No, no, that had to be prepared. They had overhead. Da, da, da. No, that's different. They had staff to pay to cook it. No, that's totally different. I'm talking about at the same store, at the grocery store. Yeah. The mm-hmm. two liter bottle is 99 cents. The little single serving is $1.79 on the little refrigerators as you're checking out. And then the bottle of water sitting next to it is $1.99 in the same Publix, in the same store.
3: I, I think it's situational because here, okay, let me explain real quick. So like if I'm buying the two liter, I went there with the intention of buying that. You know, I'm not going to open the two liter of the car and start drinking it. Well, I mean, I might, but you, that'd you be kind of weird. It's very, it'd be very inconvenient to put that, try to put that in the cup holder. But if I'm checking out and I see ice cold cokes that I can put in the cup holder that I can drink in probably a single setting, I buy it on an impulse. And because it's an impulse, I think they can charge it more. Well, yeah, that's my theory.
1: That's what I, I guess that was my point is that there that that stores and soda companies are preying on consumers. It's wrong. We need to stand up for what's it's, right. It's this wrong. is the clothing conundrum from a minute ago. It's true. Mm-hmm.
3: So it what is you're advocating... Let me, let me just make sure I know what you're advocating here. <laughs> that if you want a Coke, you, even... even Okay, you're out on a walk on a hot day <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you come across a, a grocery store. Right. You have $2 in your pocket. I'm with you. The ethical thing to do here Only is, is to buy the hot 2 liter. Two of them. Two hot 2 liters <laughs> forego the one one seventy nine yes. one liter bottle yes. that 's ice cold
1: right because now, as a Christian, you can partake of the amount that you want mm. and have plenty to share with others i 'm going have to disagree with you.
2: I think the ethical thing to do would be to loan me a cool five million dollars <laughs> and then you will find my rates on coca cola to be very reasonable <laughs>
1: so in your theory, you acquire this as a, a you know to, to build a business to create coca cola. And price it in a way that that undercuts Coca Cola. Now, un- <laughs> sort of the undercutting- people's Coca Cola, undercutting Coca Cola, who has priced themselves at a volume because they are the most sold item in the world. So their volume, versus you know their costs, are at a volume and scale that you can't come anywhere near. But you're going to yet find a way to undercut. I knew cut that pricing you know, model. If it was if it was easy, everybody would be doing okay. it. Okay,
3: I was right. gonna say, yeah, their overhead is low, not as low as Tyler's. He's making it in a garage. <laughs> He's
2: making it while he showers.
3: <laughs> I use my shower
2: water, my bath water. That's my start. Yeah, you That's should my base know product it's, right it's there. made.
3: Fra- it, it's very environmentally conscious. I use used shower water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just have a little bucket th- at the bottom of my drain. <laughs>
1: it's I, made from shower water. From runoff. there, I, the, the carbonation or the foam is not carbonation. It's actually residue from you. It's just, your teeth. it's
2: just my, it's just my, there's a little bit of toothpaste, a little bit of soap scum, and uh, I had some chocolate. <laughs> you put it's enough like sugar in there, coca no one will know. It's opaque. Nobody knows what's in there. It's black. Yeah, it's black. <laughs> yeah, who
1: knows what's in there? I'll call it, well, this guy in Georgia knows what's in there. Evidently. Yeah. Soon I will too. All right. That'll do it for slices. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, Martin Smith. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure to check out the new May issue of Relevant Magazine. Phoenix is on the cover. It features our 2013 uh, music section, uh, 10 ideas for your most epic summer ever, looking at what do you do when you're one couple, but you have two callings. Uh, we talked to the cast of The Office. We talked to John Foreman, uh, Youth Lagoon. Judah Smith writes a piece for us. ton of other great content. Uh, it's available at newsstands nationwide. If you want to get the iPad edition, it's available at the Apple newsstand. You can subscribe right now at relevantmagazine.com and get access to everything for only 15 bucks. That's relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. You're listening to Cayukas, The song is East Coast Girl. When they're on Bigfoot. Wait, what are they saying? I hope they're not talking about the East Coast Girl. That's terrible. That's sad. Maybe their theory is that Bigfoot is a female and lives on the East Coast, not the Pacific Northwest. Maybe they're giving hints. (laughs) Oh,
3: Cayucas.
1: (laughs) Martin Smith is probably best known as the former frontman and primary songwriter for the legendary worship band Delirious. He wrote songs like I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, Deeper, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble, Shout to the North, and a ton of other modern worship standards. Now a husband and father of six kids, Martin Smith is back with his solo debut called God's Great Dance Floor, Step 1. Step 2 is going to release this fall. The album's a 10-track collection of personal revival songs born out of a reinvigorated season of Waiting on God. Recorded in collaboration with a young team of musicians at St. Peter's, part and parcel of Martin's new role as mentor and encourager, this new collection is a joyful labor of love for this season's songwriter and worship leader. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to him. Here is Martin Smith.
2: First thing I want to talk about is to commend you for an excellent album title because God's Great Dance Floor is the coolest worship title for a worship album that I've <laughs> ever heard. And I get new worship albums in here every week. And I was curious about where that title came from.
5: Oh, I appreciate that. Um, do you know what? I don't really. I can't really remember where the phrase came from, but oh, I've no. had it a few years. I just. Um, you know that thing when. You're somewhere, or you're in church, and everything kicks off, and there's freedom in the place, and you're just looking around, smiling, and you just think, "Wow, this is this is like dance floor plus. <laughs> this is this is God smiling. You know, this is God's this is God's great dance floor." And I think, and I had the phrase, and, and somehow, you know, we worked it into a song, and and um, it's just one of those things that. A little bit reminds me of the history maker theme, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years ago or 15 years ago where people picked up on that theme and, and uh, you know, that's great. It's, it's all good, isn't it?
2: Did these did these songs all come out of like a was there a certain idea, like a collective idea over all of them? Like what, did you go into a season of songwriting that that these were birthed out of?
5: Yeah, I think it's been three years of being a little bit more home based, a little bit more private, um, a bit more waiting on God, just not so busy, not not not, you know, travelling around the world so much. Um, almost sort of stepping aside. And uh, I think these songs have come out of that period of time, really, of reflection. Uh, When you give God space, you discover things about yourself and you discover more about Him. And so I I think it's just been a combination of, of all that stuff, you know.
2: writing songs for a long time now do you feel like the way you write songs especially the way that you write worship songs has that changed much as you've as you've grown and you've matured you've written a lot of songs now have you seen the way you write songs now or the kind of songs you're writing be a little different than they were 10 20 years ago
5: i mean i hope that they're better songs than they were (laughs) Uh, but but that's not for me to say i think that that uh what a lot of us have done is is sort of thrown ourselves into the co-writing thing more, mm-hmm. and teaming it, and I think we've all loved that. You know, people like Matt Roman, Chris Tomlin, you know, something new has come out of that. I think that's that's been fantastic. Uh, you know, if I've got a song, and I play it to someone else, then they always they can always make it better, mm-hmm. and um, so that's been good. I think is yeah, with the years, I think your perspective changes. I think you have a hunger for your songs and music to touch people in a very deep way and so you're, you're always looking for those lyrics and the combination of music to really touch people. Every song becomes important mm-hmm. and you know I think as well after the years you believe, you believe in what you do uh, and you believe more in what God can do and so it all, all becomes a lot more exciting.
2: Is that desire to make your life something bigger, and, and I definitely feel that. I'm 28 years old, and I feel like my generation really wants to join in and have a, a revival movement. Um, yeah. How do you see worship playing a part of that? How do you see music leading
4: well, to that? I,
5: yeah, I think that the Jesus culture guys have, have obviously opened another door, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's been fantastic. You know, uh, everybody has their strengths, and, and I think that their strength is to create. An atmosphere of worship, um, which is not all about the big, big songs, mm-hmm. but an atmosphere where God can come and meet people and people can meet God. And I think they do that amazingly well. And for that to come out of North America is fantastic too, because I think it gives a lot of people permission to create more space you know, in worship and more time for God and more it doesn't have to be three songs in 19 minutes. <laughs> and I think that's good for the local church too, that it models something different, that actually our, our calling is not to be seeker-sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, our calling is to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so also with our music, you know, our, our calling is not to fit in and sound like other people, but is to uh, create an environment where heaven Meets Earth, and people are inspired by lyrics that draw them closer to God. You know, I think there's a confidence in that, unashamedly, now that this is who we are, and we're not going to be you two, but we have a unique calling, uh, and that is to encourage the saints and also prophesy to a broken world. I think that that is the two things that we can do.
4: You're the Lord of all creation. And still you know my heart, the author of salvation. You've loved me from the start. Waiting here for with our hands lifted high. It's you. we adore, singing Alleluia.
2: we talked to a, obviously a lot of worship artists worship leaders here right? and uh, a lot of them do reference you as being a somebody who inspired them as a role model or they grew up listening to delirious songs and now they're able to do those songs themselves if you could tell sort of the up and coming generation of worship leaders one thing like if you could either encourage them or admonish them if there's one thing you wish they would all keep in mind what would it be
5: Uh, it's a marathon not a sprint Hmm. and God's got a plan you know you have to trust him don't rush ahead into everything um, you know, you want to be still doing this when you're 60 years old. And so don't be in a hurry uh, and always jump at the first opportunity. There's always a bigger plan. We just have to be patient. And that can mean signing a record deal, publishing, bringing a new song, you know, miss, feeling like you're missing out on opportunities because you, you know, you're being a dad. It can be a hundred things, but... I think ultimately we have to trust don't we
4: mm-hmm.
5: that's what I would say
1: is Martin Smith make sure to check out his new album his solo debut God's Great Dance Floor Step One wherever music sold and, and at martinsmith.tv Wanna build a
4: ship
1: You're listening to Young Galaxy, the song is "Fall for You" from the album Ultramarine. Okay, it's time for Relevant Recommends. What do you have, Tyler? Well, I'm I'm actually really excited about the album that I'm
2: bringing today, as I'm with all Recommends. But I was
1: gonna say that's the point of it. That's the point that of that Recommends.
2: But about. but you know, it's kind of like you can say a father can say that all of his children are equally his favorite, but you know, there's a one or two that are just a little above the rest of them. <laughs> and uh, and in this case. Uh, I would say that I was really surprised with how much I am enjoying Vampire Weekend's new album, Modern Vampires of the City. I've I've always liked, but never really loved Vampire Weekend. I, I thought they were kind of a a fun band, um, and they have been. Their past two albums, uh, Contra, and their their self titled one, were 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 easy to like, easy to dance to. They gave you something to to listen to while you're driving around town, and and that that was all well and good. But they took just a massive leap forward. On this third album, they're wrestling with really, really deep questions about God and, and death. They they talk a lot about their own mortality and what's going to happen to them after. There's a there's a song that really captured me yesterday it's on the album. It's called it's called Yahay, and it's a play on on Yahweh, in which the lead singer Ezra Koenig really wrestles with a God whose name is only I am, and uh, he he exists over all of these. Uh, I believe the line is through the fire and the flame and still you only say your name i am that i am but how can you live that way and, and it really got me thinking a lot about just about infinity and about god and and how god lives in the in our own trials and it's been a long time since i've had an album particularly an album from a band like vampire weekend just an indie pop act that that got me in that sort of zone so i loved it and i, I really can't recommend it highly enough
6: wow go. here's wow. the
2: clip
4: we
0: My recommendation this week is, uh, since Tyler stole the music one, and I've been bringing music releases, I'll branch out into the film world this week oh. and say uh, this this film that, uh, that I saw this last week called The Great Gatsby. The great little indie flick. It's the a great little indie Gatsby. flick. Uh, the little film that could... Um, it's from an obscure uh, American novel. I don't yeah. know if you knew or that. As, or as Jon Stewart said this week, <laughs> uh, when, or last week when he interviewed Carrie Mulligan, the film did so well that they're making it into a book. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, I believe this is, I think this is the sixth version of, of the, of the wow. film that has been made. And I, I remember really about, watching like the old one with really Robert I about the Robert Redford one, yeah. Right, and that's yeah. the only one that I had ever seen. Uh, so I was very interested to see this film. Big fan of Leonardo DiCaprio. Big fan of Carey Mulligan. Uh, obviously, the soundtrack was curated by Jay-Z. Yes. A very big fan of Jay-Z. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, Boz Lerman, the, the the director. Uh, I liked his work with like Moulin Rouge. I liked Romeo and Juliet. And Romeo and Juliet as well. So I was very, very excited to see this film however as we had talked about some of the pre-reviews that came in were not very positive and so i wasn't quite sure what to make of the film went to the film saw it sat next to a a rather large man who ate a massive tub of popcorn throughout the entire (laughs) film which kind of clouded my my judgment but uh, but did did that make you dislike the film it made me completely hate the film because of this guy um no but i will say that i like the film i'm anxious to see it again uh to kind of take in more of of the beauty of it but I didn't like the fact that Tobey Maguire was in this film. He was the one, the one reason that, that I would walk away from, from the film and just say, eh, you know, it was good. It wasn't great, it was good. There were moments where after a while, Leonardo DiCaprio becomes the great Gatsby. He, you're no longer saying like, oh, that's Leo. I've seen him in this and this and this role. Everything else feels right, it looks right, it sounds right. But Tobey Maguire, I just, I just don't get it. I've never felt like he was the right person the, for any film for I've anything. ever seen. Right, right.
2: Uh, Spider Man probably least of all of that because Spider Man's supposed to be an unassuming nerd, and, and right. Tobey Maguire definitely can pull that off. Right. You know,
0: he yeah. I, I felt like there could have been a little bit more emotion between uh, Gatsby's character and and the love interest huh. uh, Carrie Mulligan. Um, it seemed a little stiff, a little stale at times. But uh, man, the cinematography of the film, breathtaking. the music, the way they, they, they took some of like Jay-Z's music and, and interspersed it with like this 20s jazz fusion was just really, really interesting and cool. Um, highly recommend the film.
1: I just wish that they had done it without Toby Maguire. See, I was shielded from the big tub of popcorn guy. That was on Chad's that left. Helps. I was yeah. on the right. There that was nobody helps. on my right. It was actually perfect seat right in the middle. I had a good experience. <laughs> I had never read, <laughs> never read the book. That still, that still surprises
3: it's me. It's it's the it's the great American novel.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not even saying cliff notes. Like I'm unaware of the story. This sure. is my first. I I'm, I am ignorant to this story. This, okay. So to me, this is a movie. A 2013 movie first and foremost which means
2: you don't get there was no real bar no bar that, and
1: that's the thing is I walked in blank Yeah, I hadn't even heard or read any of the negative reviews which is unlike me I usually look at Rotten Tomatoes but this is one of those movies that I just was like I didn't I just assumed everybody's gonna love it because it looks so freaking amazing on right, the commercials the produce, sure. You know, sure so I'm just like I can't wait to see this so I didn't need to look at Rotten Tomatoes so I didn't know any negative stuff I hadn't read the book I had nothing going into it other than sweet <laughs> and i i really liked it yeah and i walked out and people clapped in the theater when we saw it and 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 which i hate by <laughs> the way i'm
2: surprised I you. Hate Somewhere, you there, there, there
1: are two
0: places where people should not clap when a film finishes in the theater and when a airplane
3: lands on the runway <laughs> no the pilot can hear that thank you we appreciate what about it. a funeral <laughs> i don't think that's appropriate either
1: um, and so, so I, you know, I, I, liked it, and then we, you know, we met afterwards and we were talking, and then Chad told me all of his predisposed negativity to it, and I was like, "Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, I see that now." Well, here's the thing: if you, if you, if any of you out there are ignorant as I am, you will greatly enjoy the movie. But, but the, um, the the emotional disconnect is true. Like toward the end, like there are so many really powerful things that happen and they they should move you to chills or tears yeah. and they don't. It just doesn't, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's it's almost the there, but and it's I, not. And I totally agree that Tobey Maguire should not have been in the movie. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. We did not see it in 3D. Thank I hate, God. I hate you that know
0: what movie. I read the other day was that really the main feature that the 3D movie uh, has is, is some of the words that Tobey Maguire says, you know, they're written on the screen. Apparently they come out and they drip over you. And that's the big effect for the 3D. Well, and
1: I think the parties with the confetti and stuff.
0: And that kind of stuff.
1: But it's not like, those balloons are floating towards me. In yeah. 3D, Jay-Z is actually there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can see back. him just off the screen, yeah. like yeah. in yeah. the theater. He's just hanging there. out. Like a hologram. That's all. That's, that's, that's all you He's an
3: he's usher. In the
1: <laughs> Anybody want to <a> talkie? <laughs> uh, what do you got, Jesse.
3: All right, so, so my item, uh, once again, is, is, a, is a little bit different. Um, it is a, it's a website that you may have remember. It started off as a Kickstarter campaign back in September. Um, By a a bunch of different journalists from uh, some pretty high profile networks and organizations, BBC, CNN, um, CBS News, that uh, wanted to do something a little bit different. Instead of looking at the big headlines, they wanted to sort of uh, have an outlet just to kind of show human interest stories that are often lost in um you know sort of major network news coverages coverage. So they started a website called Narrative it was the website's called Narratively and the URL is narrative.ly. And basically how it works is uh, each day there is a new story. A lot of times the accompanying the stories are uh, illustrate illustrations by different artists. Um, but it's they don't even call it long form journalism journalism. They call it slow form journalism. Uh, journalism is what they branded it. But each day is a different story. Uh, and uh, each week they kind of kick off sort of a loose theme. And the, the stories are about uh, those themes. So a week could be about, you know, pets to nostalgia to music to gamers, but they're all focused, well, they start off all focused on hidden stories of New York City. Mm. And since their launch in September, they've incorporated uh, occasionally stories from other major cities. Uh, I read a couple from Los Angeles, but they're urban human interest stories that otherwise you wouldn't be able to, to hear about or see maybe unless you, you lived in one of these big stories in one of these big cities and subscribe to an alternative newspaper or something. But it's, it's just a a cool site that has interesting ways to read uh, stories from urban places in the United States that you probably wouldn't get to read otherwise. Cool. It's narrative.ly
1: narratively. There you go. Okay. That'll do it for relevant recommends where we recommend our recommendations. Stay tuned. Up next, Bobby Grunwald. listening to No Joy. The song is Lunar Phobia. That, that, that goes together, I think. If you're scared of the moon, you probably are somebody who has no joy. So just saying. Bobby Grunwald is uh, part of the LifeChurch.tv team, um, uh, Craig Groeschel's church, where he oversees the, the Digerati uh, media design and communications teams, as well as the LifeChurch.tv open network and United operations. He's a little busy. Before he joined Life Church in 01, he started and sold two technology companies and consulted with startups on venture capital funds. Um, part of what he's done since going there is uh, looking for innovative ways to connect people to the Bible in their daily lives. Born out of that is YouVersion, a simple ad-free Bible app that brings God's word onto your mobile devices. So far, the Bible app has been downloaded more than 90 million times. It's free. it's awesome. There's no reason why you shouldn't use it. Our very own Stephanie Smith recently spoke to him. Here is Bobby Grunwald.
7: Bobby, I have heard that you have a quite diverse career experience, um, from business startups to ministry roles and something about rapping in there. Could you just talk a little bit about how You've come to where you are now and the places you've been along the way.
6: Well, in retrospect, it makes no sense and makes lots of sense at the same time. <laughs> so it is pretty eclectic background. But um, I, I did, um, I was in a Christian rap group for five years back in high school. That was a long time ago. <laughs> so I keep acting like I'm what really. What was it called? It was called CBE, which stood for Christ Before Everything, is what it stood for. And. Uh, and then um, went to college and and went into business and so had a couple of startups I'm sort of an entrepreneur not sort of I have an entrepreneurial heart and did that in the 1990s with technology companies and then after I sold the last one there's a long story to this but the short version is that basically the passion I had for the church kind of eclipsed the passion I had for business Hmm. and so I made a change in 2001 so now I've kind of it's been like a long time now. I've been like 11 years at yeah. the church.
7: Wow. And did you ever see yourself stepping into that church role?
6: No. Um, in fact, at the fir- very first time that it was mentioned or the possibility of it mentioned, I said that that wasn't something I was interested in hmm. and instead began to volunteer more. I never, thought, I never thought that what I was doing in business would have any application in the church. I always viewed mm-hmm. church as something that really helped to me to grow in my walk with Christ and and my character and developed who I was, and I would take that out into what I did in business, but I never thought that the things I did in business would have any, you know, relevancy to the church. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, it's kind of in retrospect a bit crazy because God's used it, you know, in our church and not just in my experience, but lots of our team in such a big way, but I didn't, um, I didn't connect the dots at first.
7: tell me a little bit about the you version app that you developed
6: sure so our team um, started uh, an, an app actually it started as a website um, back in 2007 and the idea was could we take today's technology and leverage it in such a way that would really help people engage in the bible and, and could we actually be the time in history when the technology and the tools we have are sort of at this inflection point where, where the next several generations could be dramatically impacted by the decisions that we're making today. Similar to the way the printing press as a technology in that moment in time went on to shape the next several centuries. There's kind of this notion of could this be one of those moments. So we started at the website. The results of the website and the, and the particular plan were sort of okay but not great. Mm-hmm. And we were going to try one more thing before we shut it down. And that was to actually make the website mobile so we could view it on our on our phone. So we made that, uh, tried that in 2008, and it started to change how we were personally engaging with the Bible, just because it became more proximate to our lives. It became something that was like always nearby in terms mm-hmm. of our, our phone. And, and so when we saw how it impacted us, and we saw how the traffic changed, we began to say, look, this is something that really, this could be where, where the idea is really at, and went on to create the Bible app for the iPhone first and um, and that was in July of 2008 and, uh, and and just saw God use it very quickly saw a lot of people not just install it on their phone but actually engage with it and, uh, and so we've been kind of on this journey now for a little over four years uh, yeah, but that's, that's basically how it got started what we do as a ministry, as a church we take whatever we create and we make it available for free uh, it's part of what we feel like God asked us to do and called us to do um, we don't necessarily presume that everyone's supposed to do it that way. It's just something that's a part of the values that we um, We really feel called to. So everything about eVersion is completely free. Um, there's nothing that you can pay for if you even wanted mm-hmm. to. And we can do that because we have um, publishers and partners and pastors and all sorts of people that provide content and promotion and things that kind of make it possible. So we, we don't deserve the credit for that. It really is a, a large coalition of people that make it possible.
7: It it seems that the app has been so successful because it is so innovative and creative in ways that hasn't been done before, but you are also very well-versed in the history of Scripture, and um, it's how we've been reading it for years. And could you just talk a little bit about how your innovative process was benefited by looking back into history and sure. how it's always been done before
6: I think the, the initial um, the initial idea for you version really came out of a question that contemplated history and, and where we sit in history mm-hmm. and I think um, a lot of times when I'm really trying to process an idea, and I think this is uh, this is great for all leaders to to think about, is to really try to get perspective on where we are today. So it's it's part looking back, but it's also part gaining perspective on today. Mm-hmm. And and so in technology in general, what the way I see today is we we're alive at this unique time in history where each of us are occupying this space and time, and while we're here on Earth in this space and time. We are seeing the population just explode, and we're seeing this connectedness. Uh, the way technology enables us to be more connected to each other than ever before. And so we look at that and say, that's not just a an opportunity; it's a responsibility that we have, you know, a, as believers. That's the the perspective we bring to it. But so I look back at at history, though, at kind of those key moments, and I don't know that I, I'm certainly not an expert. I don't think in Bible history. I wish I was, uh, but it's pretty easy to recognize that there's some there's you know kind of some key moments. With um, you know translation, I mean the King James Bible was sort of a key you know, moment. The printing mm-hmm. press and how that sort of led up to to it are kind of key factors. And you can look at centuries that were transformed or that were changed because mm-hmm. of these these kind of inflection points, these moments. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like we're we're able to witness. You know, I mean, there's a lot of generations that didn't witness any of that, and and we're a generation I think that's right in the middle of it. And it's not just the Bible. There's many industries that are hundreds of years old that are changing right now in our lifetimes, um, and and we just are excited about the fact that we feel like the Bible is changing in a way that that's getting people more engaged. You know, it could easily have been a different kind of change. You know, that made the Bible less connected to people. But we really feel like it's an opportunity for it to be even more connected in our generation, which is great. Hmm. That was Bobby Grunewald.
1: Check out UVersion on whatever device you own. You can find out more at Bible.com or on Twitter at YouVersion. You're listening to Solange. like saying her name. It's Beyoncé's friend. ancestor, Right. Well, they're friends. The song is Looks Good With Trouble and is featuring Kendrick Lamar. It's her new single. Did you see... I just got to say,
0: did you see the other day that Pitchfork tweeted that Solange's new album is coming out, blah, 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 blah. And she tweets at Pitchfork and just says, that's incorrect.
4: Seriously? <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. And then she... Uh, proceeded to say well i wasn't ready to make this announcement yet but because there's a lot of uh, misinformation floating around let me tell you she created her own label she's going to be distributed through i believe it's sony which is what beyonce is and she's got a new album coming out later this year but she basically just flat out called, called out pitchfork and said
1: nope you're wrong here's the right ra- here's the right information wow man Power so. of social media. Yep. Finally giving celebrities a voice. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking
2: up for those who, who just, <laughs> can't, who just can't for themselves. For
1: themselves. Yeah. It's time for your feedback. I have no idea what this question is. Uh, apparently last week we, they, asked you what was the worst summer job you ever had. Is that why Maya took a sabbatical from the podcast? Because you guys made her think that...
3: She <laughs> that, contemplated too intensely on Yeah, it. like, yeah. oh,
1: man, I, I don't want I don't want this to... Yeah, This will be the worst summer job like, I, something I could be at the pool right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and hit us up on Twitter and Facebook as well. Here's our favorite replies.
0: Well, Frederick Sprinkle said... His worst summer job was probably when he worked for a horse semen distribution company.
1: Oh, my. Mm. Well, why'd you get a job there? You kind of know that it's going <laughs> to...
3: He seems like you know what you're, you getting, know what you're getting into. into. Who, are they,
1: who are they distributing Thankfully, to? he
0: says, I don't feel like I should include any more details. That's Let me just fair. clarify that my role was thankfully removed from the actual quote-unquote distribution process. Well, Frederick, I hope that life has is- <laughs> dealt you a better hand. <laughs> yeah,
2: I didn't even know such
3: a place existed. So. <laughs> that's, a,
2: that's an interesting need.
3: Whew. Well, Michael on our Facebook page said that when he was sixteen year old, sixteen years old in high school, he got a job working at Taco Bell where he was the fry person. Let me stop you right there, Michael. I, what do they fry at Taco Bell? What do you order at Taco Bell that requires a fryer? The
1: chalupa shells.
3: So is he, is he exclusively just the chalupa shell guy? Yeah, he's the
1: chalupa guy.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, I, <laughs> no, no, They, 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 they also very... have
1: uh, taco salad, crispy tortilla shells, uh, bowls, right? Don't, don't they do they little
2: make... Mexi fries? Those yeah. little those little those little no. Tater Tot type things. Nope. They don't Mexi no. They need I to don't. get on that. Yeah. They Sorry, that's they what they, they call them in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suggest. I don't suggest anybody else refer to them as that.
3: But either way, evidently, Michael wasn't very good at the fryer uh, at his job with the Chalupas and the Mexifries because he caught the fryer on fire and had to uh, you know struggle to put out some of the flames. Uh, fortunately for him, though, his aunt was the manager, so he didn't get yelled at uh, too much. But That's it, called nepotism,
1: know, and that's wrong.
3: Yeah, you should have been fired. Immediately. From the, from the fryer. See what he, I did there? Yeah, he, he should
1: have been fired from the fryer for the fire.
3: <laughs> there you go
1: this, I'm just going to read this one from
2: Jay Gray um, as, as he wrote it in college I worked a summer job installing security systems in apartment complexes I had to relocate to do a job in a town about two hours away which lasted for about a week it was just me and the lead electrician He had no teeth, as they had all been removed by a baseball bat in a bar fight, Hmm. and only the rotting remains were left to tell the story. Smoking three packs a day didn't help. This is is very well written, too, Mm -hmm. Jay. Mm -hmm. He would only wear wife beaters, stained brown and yellow from years of use, and would often proceed with locking my head in his unwashed armpit for moments Mm -hmm. that seemed like eternities. At night, he would sit on his bed in our hotel room and pick at open sores in his shoulders. Wow. By the end of the trip, he really warmed up to me and all but confessed to two murders he had committed from his
0: early drug dealing
2: days. <laughs> what? <laughs> I quit the next week and never saw the guy again.
0: Oh, my. That's crazy. i well,
2: you I'm glad you're okay, Jay. Do with that. I don't know. I wouldn't want that guy s- installing a security system in my apartment. I'll tell you that. Creepy. Jay, I'm glad you quitting was the right move. I'm there, glad Jay. you're alive, Jay. Quitting was the right move.
3: H- Julio has a pretty bad one where he would answer phone calls for uh, like 1 800 vendors on TV, like a 1 800 number. He said it started off; it wasn't too bad because it was just the uh, older people calling to get Time Life music, like CD collections. And he said he kind of felt bad because he had to constantly upsell, you know, the, these older oh, sure. folks. But that was just part of the job. Things started to get weird when the 1-800 number that he was answering for was selling Girls Gone Wild videos over the telephone. Mm. And that required him to read a ridiculous script every call. But he said what pushed him over the edge, though was when he, when he had uh, uh, an old man asking very personal questions about a very personal type of medication that they were ordering over the phone <laughs> that obviously he didn't feel qualified <laughs> to give any medical advice about. So uh, he said after that night, he quit his shift.
2: I'm glad that all of these stories end with, and then I quit, because it'd be really sad <laughs> yeah. if it was a story. And to this then he day... Confe-
3: he confessed to murders. Yeah. The, the man I was sharing a room with <laughs> right. confessed to murders.
0: Right. Kind of I- Kind of like Jordan Hogue, he was uh, the ripe age of nineteen, thinking about going into nursing program at his school. So it says he talked to a nurse that went to his parents' church, and uh, he got a job at a hospital uh, with the nursery. Sounded great, right? Playing with newborns, helping with the miracle of life—easy baloney. <laughs> well, being vastly underqualified, I personally witnessed six to eight births a tw- in a, during a twelve-hour shift. When it's not your kid, that whole thing is horrifying. (laughs) He would then have to bathe the 10-minute old floppy humans and put on their first shirts. I had poop shot on me a couple of times, and to top it all off, I was the only man on the floor who was not a doctor, so I was continually asked if, quote-unquote, this is normal, while gowns were being lifted without warning and for lactation consultations. He then (laughs) finishes by saying, I am not a nurse.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's good.
1: all right. Well, that'll do it for your feedback. If you want to chime in or check it out, head over to last week's podcast episode page at the website. Okay. It's time for this week's
4: editorial question of the week.
1: Hey. All right. Well, at the beginning or earlier in the podcast, you heard our theme song for the temporary summer sabbatical while Maya is not part of the podcast. Is it our now? Are we all on board with this? Well, I think there's a twofer here. Okay. The theme for the summer is the boys of summer. Right, But the theme song is the boys are back in town. Okay. Yeah. It's just, t-
2: just a better song. I can get on board with that. I can get on board. board, <laughs> yeah. get
1: on board. Yeah. Fired up, Chad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So we want to know, hey, we're at the beginning. It's Memorial Day weekend coming up. We're at the beginning of the summer. You're looking ahead. You've got dreams. You've got hopes. You've got aspirations for, for what your oh, summer is yeah. going to be like. Oh, yeah. We think you need to live with intentionality. We think you need to live with purpose. We think you need to drive the car here. You need to pick your own summer theme songs sure. So we got ours. We want to know what is your theme song for summer twenty thirteen and why. Mm. So head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook, our relevant Facebook page, Relevant Podcast Facebook page and tell us your theme song for the summer of 2013.
2: Is it better be good.
1: And why. Yeah. I, want, I want them to really we pump might, you We up. might even make, make a, like a Spotify playlist of all the theme songs good idea. or something. Yeah. it just pump you up throughout the yeah. whole summer. Yeah, that's true. Whatever you're I, doing. Just
0: keep, keep it rocking all summer long. Yeah,
1: yeah, we could put together a playlist. We might,
2: we might release it as a CD.
1: So uh, there you go. Many thanks to Martin Smith for talking to us. Make sure to check out his solo debut album, God's Great Dance Floor, Step 1. Uh, Step 2 is coming out in October. You can find it at martinsmith.tv and you can follow him on Twitter at martinsmithtv. Also, thanks to Bobby Grunwald for talking to us. Uh, obviously, you can find UVersion on any device out there. If it gets on the internet, you can get YouVersion on it. 90 million users, they're, they're, they're surging toward 100 million. The guys made a massive impact in the world for Christ. Uh, find out more at bible.com. You can follow them on Twitter at YouVersion. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Ty Michaels navely We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Relevant podcast. Go follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out relevantmagazine.com. i
3: I can see you. Keep playing it, keep going.